As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Discussing Austin Eckler's return, Alvin Kamara concerns, and Jarvis Landry's big day on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. everybody, welcome in to Fantasy Football in 15. We are here on Monday, November 30th, the last day of November, and just about wrapping up the final days here of Week 12 before we turn things over to Week 13. Michael Beller with you, Derek Van Riper also with you, as we are every single weekday here on Fantasy Football in 15. Derek, uh, back from Thanksgiving, how was the long weekend? It was great. I have had my fill of leftovers, especially <laughs> desserts. Um, we had a Same. one pie per person <laughs> ratio at my gathering, oh, so there were a lot of <laughs> leftover pieces of pie to eat, and uh, I have begun my end-of-year bid to uh, get to 100K between now and New Year's Eve. I'm trying to start the resolution a little early, keep all the holiday pounds away, because I feel like this year in particular, <laughs> with everyone being stuck at home, uh, right. We're all a little more susceptible to taking those extra desserts along the way, even at our smaller gatherings that we have here and there. Yeah, this could uh, this could be the year. Maybe this is uh, this is the year to make that happen. Uh, definitely uh, a good weekend. We hope you all had a, a great holiday weekend as well. Um, we are back here now to discuss what we saw in Week Twelve, specifically what we saw on Sunday in Week Twelve. So the first thing I want to talk about here, Derek. Austin Eckler, he made his return to the field for the Chargers in their loss to the Bills. And we were talking about this on our Sunday morning show, The Athletic Fantasy Cheat Sheet. Be sure to check that out every single Sunday morning starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, We were talking about what sort of role can we expect from Austin Eckler. We were all pretty unanimous in that if he's coming back, they're probably pretty comfortable using him the way they normally would. And that is exactly how things played out. 14 carries for 44 yards, 16 targets for Austin Eckler in this game, caught 11 of them. For 85 yards, every other back in the uh, Chargers combined for eight carries. This is Austin Eckler's backfield from this point through the end of the season. So what does through the end of the season look like? New England, Atlanta, at Las Vegas, and Denver. Nothing there really scares you. Austin Eckler feeling like maybe if you were able to survive his injury and get to the playoffs, could be the guy that makes the difference in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I guess the question I have is when the Chargers aren't chasing the game, as our friend Ed Malian would say, um, the way they were against the Bills, we're not playing from behind constantly. Where is that target workload going to fall? I mean, probably closer to eight most weeks, right? Justin Herbert threw it 52 times, but still eight to 10 targets plus what Eckler does as a runner is going to constantly put him in the RB1 conversation again. I'm curious to see if Balaj actually plays ahead of Kelly once Balaj is healthy again. It kind of seemed like Kelly was falling out of favor. He had seven for 35 and a TD in this one. So uh, kind of a, a weird backfield construction for now. Is there anybody who you're lowering your expectations for, though? With Eckler getting a lot more targets, do you lower your expectations for Mike Williams or Hunter Henry? Obviously, Keenan Allen is still a favorite target of Herbert at this point, but do those secondary options take a slight hit now that Eckler's back? I think that they have to take a slight hit, but the thing with those two guys is that you're not really... It's not like you're giving up too much, right? I mean, Hunter Henry was a guy who uh, was always going to be this season, or at least has been this season. We've settled into him being a touchdown or bust sort of guy, and that remains the case. And in this game, seven grabs on 10 targets for 67 yards. Uh, Mike Williams, a guy who you hope to hit some big plays down the field, and that's really when he comes in for you, is when he hits those big plays down the field. And Eckler being out there, I don't think really changes the calculus for him very much. He's the one who I would be a little bit more concerned with because I think that this team can get by with Keenan Allen, uh, Austin Eckler, and Hunter Henry as their top three pass catchers, and all three of those guys do something uh, unique with one another, and Mike Williams does too, but still, he's big play dependent, and when you're big play dependent and then maybe losing a target and a half per game with Eckler back in the fold, that's where things get a little bit concerning, but I don't think enough to really change the way that you were treating them previously. Do you think it's big enough of a change in that way? I don't think so. I mean, I think you're still generally trying to play them in situations where you're previously playing them. Hunter Henry, especially, tight end is enough of a mess after the first five or six guys, especially. You're, You're not... You know, you're not really going to run away from him because he's losing a target or two per game. I wonder if it hurts uh, you know, Parham and Jalen Guyton and some of those other guys that were getting into the mix while Eckler was out. It seems like if you're going to take some targets away from anybody, it's those depth guys who were a bit of a thorn in our sides in the weeks that Eckler missed. Austin Eckler definitely looking like he could be a playoff hero again. New England for the final week in the fantasy football regular season and then a playoff schedule of Atlanta at Las Vegas and Denver. Feeling pretty good about him being back. Someone who I am concerned about, Derek, and this is someone who I have on the two teams that I am sitting there on Sunday thinking about in my head, is Alvin Kamara. Taysom Hill seems to have completely crushed Alvin Kamara's fantasy value. Saints get the easiest 31-3 win you will ever see uh, in your football-watching life against a Kendall Hinton-led, I guess in quotes, Denver Broncos team. Just a total mess of a game. Alvin Kamara in this one had 11 carries for 54 yards, one catch for negative two yards. We are now talking, those that is his total stat line as a receiver in two games with Taysom Hill. One catch negative two yards. Meanwhile, Hill ran for two more touchdowns. Those touchdowns, one yard and two yards. So that was really a a big problem for Alvin Kamara. Managers had 10 carries for 44 yards. Latavius Murray, meanwhile, involved heavily once again, as he was in the first game that Taysom Hill started. 19 carries for 124 yards and two 
touchdowns. I mean, I think we need to – now we've seen it for two games, Derek. I think we need to believe it. Last week I was willing to say one game, getting their feet wet, figuring things out. Now that we've seen two games with there being no passing involvement whatsoever for Alvin Kamara and more Latavius Murray than we ever saw with Drew Brees, I think it's time to be worried if you are invested in Alvin Kamara. It's a caution light situation for me as opposed to a full-on red light, red flag, you know, start mm-hmm. to panic. But this was a weird game. It was. <laughs> that's putting it mildly. Taysom Hill only threw it 16 times. He was 9 of 16 for 78 yards. So there just wasn't much going in the passing game overall. Michael Thomas led the way with the six targets. Nobody else had more than two. So it was just kind of a quiet day for that entire facet of the offense. And I wonder... With the way this one played out, if it just became easy for Sean Payton to say, this is basically a glorified bye week for Kamara. Like, there's no reason to push him out there because we're going to win this game handily. He's probably our best mismatch nightmare in our entire offense that we can put on the field, and he's going to be really important for us down the stretch. So I don't like what we've seen these last two games. They get the Falcons again in Week 13. and We just saw a game in which Kamara wasn't very involved against the Falcons in week 11, but still close to five yards per carry. I think I can chalk this up to very unusual game script. And we know touchdowns are fluky, right? I mean, Murray getting two TDs and Hill getting two TDs on the ground. That's almost impossible for that to happen again. If the Saints have four rushing touchdowns in another game this season, and Kamara's out there and he doesn't have any of them, Mm -hmm. that would stun me at this point. So maybe the volume in the passing game is down because they throw it less in general with Taysom Hill most weeks, and that's where you ding him. Uh, But I would look at this as a bit of a fluke, given how unusual the Denver offense was in this matchup. I think that's a fair assessment overall, and definitely with the Latavius ones. I mean, one was just a long run, and like I said, they're getting him more involved. So, you know, chalk that up to Latavius being a good running back in his own right. The second one was 24-3 to already. Really no reason to push Kamara in those situations. It's the one and two-yard touchdowns for, for uh, Taysom Hill that really concern me because, I mean, those are not fluky. I mean, those are, you know, them the, the Saints getting themselves into good situations and situations that we should expect them to be in. And if Taysom Hill is getting those, I mean, even if he's just getting half of those— Alvin Kamara owned those inside the five yard inside the five yard line carries for the Saints while Drew Brees was healthy. If he is losing just even half of those to Taysom Hill, we've got a problem. If he's losing 90 percent of those, then we've got a major problem. Not a bench Alvin Kamara problem. I don't want it to sound like that, but one in which we should be a little bit concerned about what his floor and ceiling might be for the remainder of the fantasy season. One more stat to throw at you before we move on to our next topic here. Uh, the low and average scores for uh, for um, uh, Alvin Kamara with Drew Brees out there. This is in half PPR scoring. His low was 13.4. His average was 23.66. In two games with Taysom Hill, he's given you 10.5 and 5.7 half PPR points. So just something to keep in mind. You're obviously playing Alvin Kamara and fingers crossed things go a little bit better for him going forward. Run running back who I think we have to touch on yet again here is Ronald Jones. I'm willing to say that he owns Tampa Bay's backfield, Derek. Nine carries for 66 yards, also a 37-yard receiving touchdown in this game, in the loss to the Chiefs. Leonard Fournette, three carries for 10 yards. He's done as a runner. Three catches for 10 yards. So you also saw Ronald Jones being the bigger play receiver. I think that this should be enough, especially with the team going into their bye in Week 13, for them to say, forget Leonard Fournette. This is Ronald Jones' backfield. Do you feel comfortable enough starting him or just assuming he's a default starter for you as you head into the fantasy playoffs? 
Yeah, but I'd say that as somebody who has him in the Scott Fishbowl, where you start 11 players every week, and there's a ton <laughs> of flex spots, and it's a pretty deep and competitive league. Uh, in that league, I don't really sweat it because I don't have enough quality bench options to really think twice about it. Uh, in a more traditional league, I still think Ronald Jones is one of those players that has that little bit of doubt in the back of your mind mm-hmm. every time your lineup's about to lock. Uh, but I do think Fournette's role being as small as it's been in recent weeks is something that is surprising to me compared to what I thought was going to happen when they brought him on board. But we've seen enough of it to believe that he is being treated as a true backup at this point. He's had issues holding onto the ball as a primary pass catcher. So even his hold on that role could be slipping away, and that could be an area where Ronald Jones gets more involved down the stretch as well. And that's really what I'm getting at with Ronald Jones. You're never going to feel super, no doubt about it, 100%. He's the guy he owns the backfield about him. But I think that we have to think of him as a default starter for fantasy managers with the way he and Leonard Fournette have been treated over the last couple of weeks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Derek, let's get to one more big story here. It's Jarvis Landry had himself a monster day for the Cleveland Browns in their win over the Jaguars. 11 targets, 8 catches, 143 yards, and a touchdown. Could have been an even bigger day for Landry if Baker Mayfield hadn't missed him on a couple of plays where he was open. And let's be honest about Jarvis Landry, right? Just wasn't right all season. Had the offseason hip surgery. He's talked about it, how he just hasn't quite been 100%. And maybe this is a sign that he has turned the corner. And we've been talking about, really, ever since Odell Beckham went down, who's going to be the number one receiver in this offense? And we've thrown out Rashard Higgins. We've thrown out Kaderil Hodge. We've been looking for someone because we knew that Jarvis Landry wasn't 100%. But if Jarvis Landry is 100%, he is easily the number one receiver in this offense. And you've got a schedule going forward of at Tennessee, Baltimore, at Giants, at Jets. One that doesn't really intimidate you very much. I think we could be trending toward Jarvis Landry as someone who we think of as a wide receiver three if what we saw from him on Sunday is a sign that he is indeed healthy and 100% for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think the challenging thing for me, having you know seen that game on red zone and seeing some of those misses from Baker Mayfield along the yeah. way, The final numbers, and you pointed this out in our group chat, the final numbers from him don't really reflect how he played in this game. Mayfield did not play well, but I don't think it matters much as far as Landry goes because they don't have that clear-cut number two. If you look at the distribution of targets behind Landry, nobody else had more than three targets. Three to Chubb, three to Hodge, two to Higgins, two to Hooper, two to Bryant. They just don't have anybody stepping up, and I think with Beckham done for the season, we've been waiting for someone to emerge to compliment Landry. 
I didn't think he was the same guy he was pre-injury. I think I said those exact words on the live stream on Sunday before the best performance of the season from Landry. So (laughs) I'm glad we could wake him up because, I mean, I think when he's healthy, if he's going to get eight-plus targets every single week, he is a guy that can kind of step up and maybe be a top 15, top 20 receiver the rest of the way, easily falls into that wide receiver three category at this point where you start him every week and you feel good about it because they just don't have a lot of other competition there. At least they don't have steady competition for those targets for him, and that's surprising given the amount of talent they piled up on that roster. And you just look back over at Jar- over Jarvis Landry's career, and we've just never seen a nothing season from him, right? We haven't necessarily seen monster seasons from him, but we've never seen a nothing season from him. I mean, just scanning his career go over his whole full career, his career stat lines, the worst season he's had was his rookie year in 2014, caught 84 balls for 758 yards and five touchdowns. We've never seen a nothing season from him. Last year, in the same or similar, at least on the same team, a different offense, with Odell Beckham healthy all season, he had 83 catches for 1,174 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, we just never see him be a nothing the way that he has been this season, and that's even more reason to believe that it's been the hip that has been holding him down and nothing else, and this sign that he is healthy maybe makes him someone that you hope you held on to all season long because he could be in line for a big run here in the fantasy playoffs. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. We've got another full week for you, gearing up for what is the final week of the regular season for most people in the fantasy football world. We'll be with you all week for DVR. I am Michael Beller. Again, back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.